Good morning, Cornerstone. They were louder at the 9 o'clock service. Good morning, Cornerstone. Uh, that's, there you go. There you go. I'm Dan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, I was trying to think of how I might want to kind of start this service off. And because some of us might feel a little different here today, but, uh, and I thought, well, some of you guys know that I play bass guitar. They, uh, Jamie allows me to do that off and on up here, and uh, what a privilege opportunity that is. And so I thought, well, maybe a bass solo. Maybe I'd start with a bass solo, and, and I figured I'd get that kind of response. So in, instead, I thought I'd just start out with a little, uh, uh, just a little story here, and uh, I think it'll go over a little bit bigger than the bass solo. It's a church story. You know, it's about a pastor and a six-year-old. It was one Sunday morning, and the, the pastor had noticed uh, this little Alex uh, standing in the foyer of the church, and he was just staring up at this large plaque. And it was covered with names, and then on each side it had these American flags. And the six-year-old, he'd been staring at that for a while, and the pastor walked up, and he just kind of stood beside this boy and said, Alex, uh, good morning. Alex said, good morning, Pastor. But he was still kind of focused on that plaque. And the pastor, he kind of was concerned about this, this boy a little bit because of just his fixation on that. Finally, Alex said, uh, uh, what is this? The pastor said, well, son, it's a memorial to all the young men and women who, who died in the service. And soberly, they just kind of stood there for a while, just kind of staring at those names. Finally, little Alex's voice, barely audible, and trembling with fear, he said, which service, a 9 or 10.30? <laughs> but I got more good news, though, for you. I, I won't guarantee it, but I, I don't think we're in trouble here at the 9 or, or the 10.30. 9 went just fine. Everybody that came in left, so you can... But listen to, listen to these statistics. These, this is really something. Uh, automobiles are responsible for 20% of all fatal accidents, so do your best to stay away from automobiles. It's good that you didn't stay home this morning, because you know why? 17% of all accidents occur in the home. You should avoid walking on streets or sidewalks, because 14% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. Avoid traveling by air, rail, sea, uh, anything like that because 16% of all accidents involve those forms of transportation. Of the remaining 33%, 32% of all deaths occur in hospitals. So above else, above, uh, just avoid hospitals. But here's the good news. I was so excited when I read this and heard this. You're going to just be pleased to know that 0.001% of all deaths occur in worship services. <laughs> and they're usually related, related to some other physical disorder that someone has, has come in with. So I think logically, I mean, we're in the safest place, right? We're in the right place here today. Actually, uh, at the end of this article, it said, attending church will save your life. So think about that. You are in the right place. I want to tell you one more thing about Cornerstone. One thing that you've probably heard before and it hasn't changed. We don't want to be a big church or a little church. We don't want to be a hip church or a traditional church. We want to be Christ's church. Amen. Amen. That hasn't changed at all. I want to uh, talk about this morning, not just my biggest moment, but you're going to hear a story from Scripture about a man's biggest moment. You'll, you're going to hear also from uh, one of the gals that uh, comes to Cornerstone as she shares her testimony and her biggest moment also. But let me just tell you my story kind of quickly here. Uh, I was raised in a family where my dad was uh, went to the Lutheran church uh, kind of occasionally. My mom went to the Catholic Church, and she went every Sunday. 
uh, all holidays, everything. And so myself and my five siblings, all of us went to the Catholic Church. And I, I did that growing up through grade school. Uh, back then they called it junior high. I know it's middle school now, I'm kind of showing my age here. High school also. And, but it was in high school that it wasn't doing anything for me. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to listen. Uh, I'd rather be go playing ball with my buds, you know. I mean, there's many, many more just better things to do than sitting in a church service. I'm going to fast forward here about 32 years, but not before I tell you what a little bit about those 32 years of what they contained. And they contained broken relationships, uncontrolled anger, uh, probably bitterness. What they contained was my best friend for all those years was alcohol. I couldn't imagine especially towards the end of those 32 years, I could not imagine what life would be like without that alcohol. I always thought that, you know, one drink would probably be enough, but it never worked out that way. It was always many more than just one. There was a a purpose that I had that first drink. And it got to a point where it was every day, the amount may, might change a little bit, but not so much. I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. I worked, uh, so I, I mean, I was responsible in that sense. Come four or five, four o'clock, five o'clock, watch out. You know, I, I needed to, I needed to have that drink. So that's this. 32-year period there with some bizarre (laughs) circumstances. uh, Jeannie and I, my wife Jeannie and I, we were invited to a church in the Minneapolis area to be specific. It was a a Brooklyn Park uh, Evangelical Free Church. I had never been in a church like that. Maybe even there might be somebody that's come here today and you've come maybe from a Lutheran background or a Catholic background or something like that, and you're like, whoa, this is a lot different than I'm used to. Uh, hang in there, it's okay. Uh, it's, uh, this is a good place to be. But we went to this church, and we were invited to uh, uh, this course called Alpha. And uh, we actually do that course here once or twice a year, tw- about 12 weeks long, 12 sessions It's designed to bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? Why did he die? How can I be sure of my faith? Those are some of the topics. Uh, What about the Bible? You know, is it true? How about praying? What does that look like? Those kinds of things. So Jeannie and I went. Actually, we went twice. That was my idea. She got it the first time. You know, I'm a little on the slower side. So we actually went twice. But it was a new, co- this concept of this relationship with Christ. I didn't quite understand that. I'm sure I heard it before. It just said, I, I don't know that I ever received it. So we're in this church. And now we're going every Sunday. And Rick Insard was our senior pastor. And every Sunday he would give the gospel message. And I would hear it every Sunday. And most Sundays, he'd actually give people an opportunity to, uh, to ask Jesus, just by prayer, to be their Lord and Savior. Heard that many times, too. I remember sitting there, though, one Sunday, and he started sharing the gospel, and I started to understand it. I started to understand that Jesus just, yeah, he died for the whole world, but he actually, actually died for me. And so this is going on in my heart. Things are happening. And, and I remember Rick Insrud giving this kind of invitation of, if you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just you can ask him today. And I remember just some, this stirring going on. There wasn't any lightning bolts or anything like that, but I remember the stirring. It was almost, it's like 
Dan, you got to do that. And I did. I, I asked Jesus into my life right there at that service. I think, really, to me, that was my biggest moment. But it doesn't end there. Here's the thing is, I was still drinking. It wasn't like I came to Jesus and Jesus just took away everything that was going on in my life. I don't know if that worked like that for you guys. It sure didn't work like that for me. And every morning when I'd wake up, I could hear almost this audible voice of God. I think some of you might know what I'm talking about. It is such a strong thing that's going on in our hearts and our minds that it, it, it almost sounds audible. And what God was saying was, I can't use you like this. And it wasn't just one time. It was every morning he kept saying that to me. I cannot use you like this. Miserable. I was miserable for almost a uh, one-year period. I didn't know what to do with this alcohol thing. Nothing I could do. I mean, I maybe had come to the point where I was admitting that it wasn't the right thing to do, but I didn't know how to get rid of it. My brother, one of my brothers, his name's Mike, he invited me to a retreat. And I'm thinking, how can I go to a spiritual, religious retreat and somehow sneak a bottle in there? That doesn't sound right. And so I'm like, oh, I don't... Anyway, by faith, because I had faith then. It wasn't much, but I had put my faith in Christ. I went. It was during that retreat. It was three days long. It was during that retreat. I don't quite remember if it was the first day or second or third, but I do remember having a time with Jesus and saying, Jesus, I don't know what to do about this. I cannot stop this. If you want this out of my life, and I know you do, you're going to have to take it. And I gave it to him. Here's what happened. He didn't give me the strength to, like, fight it off each day. What he did was he actually took the desire away. It was a miracle. Because I know a lot of people that struggle with addiction, that doesn't happen. You've surrendered it maybe, and maybe <laughs> that, that hasn't happened. I don't know how Jesus works, you know, in each one of our lives. We're all different. All I can do is tell you what he did in my life, and that's what he did. Performed a miracle in my life, and he took that away. And from that moment on, actually from the moment I was really saved in that church service, but... From that moment on, I just felt this hunger to serve the Lord. And so even coming to Jesus in my 50s, he still wanted something else for me. I didn't know he wanted me doing like this, but that's what he called me to do, and who am I to say no to God? So anyway, that, that to me really, those two moments in my life really... Uh, I'll never forget them, of course. And really, I think those are the biggest moments. We have many, many different, different moments. I want to, though, this morning, I want to have us look at a story in Scripture. And it talks about a man and his biggest moment. And uh, before we get into that, let me pray for us. God, thanks for... This morning, thanks, God, for our stories. I just pray, Lord, that as I shared mine, that people were thinking back of their own story and, Lord, remembering who you are in their lives. Lord, there could be somebody here that's not for sure, maybe that, Jesus, that you are their Lord and Savior. I just pray today, Lord, that today would be that day that just like I had that particular day years ago that today would be that day that they would come to know you. God, we just pray as we open your word that you would just illuminate it for us, Holy Spirit, that, Lord, we would walk away today with, with something uh, that's new to us. But, Lord, as we look at this story, too, I, I pray that we walk away today to be a burden lifted a need fulfilled, or even a miracle happening in our lives. We just pray it in the name of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to 
the book of Luke. We're going to turn to chapter 18, and we're going to start in verse 35. The book of Luke, one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This story of... But I'm, I'm going to uh, read out of Luke, and I think only because God, every time I read other Gospels, God always led me back to Luke. So let's take a look at this. It says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. I don't know how long this blind man, how many days he had been coming. Uh, He probably wasn't a young man, so I'm guessing he had been on this roadside many, many, many times and depended on these people coming by. To, to help him out. He couldn't, he's blind. He, he, wasn't, he couldn't have worked back in those days. So they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And here's what the blind guy, what he does is he's, he called out. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who had led the way, they, they rebuked him. They told him to be quiet don't you know who's coming through here? Be quiet. And he's like, no, no, I'm not being... He just yelled it even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. He knew who Jesus was. He wasn't going to let Jesus get by without being heard by him. So Jesus stops. This is amazing to me. Jesus is within... in a little over a week, he's going to be crucified. He's on his way to the cross, but yet he stopped. Do you think Jesus cares about us? Think Jesus cared about this blind man? Absolutely. He stopped. And he said, he ordered that man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, if we walk away with anything today, This question that Jesus asked, it's for you, it's for me. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man says, Lord, I want to see. That was his need right then and there. I think in that little room that I had at that retreat, I think Jesus was saying to me, what do you want me to do for you? And I said, Jesus... I want you to take this away, this burden that I have, these chains that I'm tied up with, with this alcohol, I want you to take that away. Jesus said to the blind man, he said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. This is for us today. Jesus is passing by with a question for you and for me. And he's waiting for our answer. Your greatest need is his concern. The size, the urgency, or the intensity. Jesus is passing by with a question. It's right now, today. And he's just waiting. He's standing there, just like with this blind guy. He's just waiting for that, that blind guy to answer. Sometimes we answer a little slowly. We might want to hang on to something. But I think this blind guy, just right away, he knew exactly what he wanted Jesus to do for him. And that greatest need, whatever that need is, that's not only our concern, that's Jesus' concern. Don't miss that question today. The first thing we see here, too, is as we look at this scripture, is knowing about Jesus is not the same as knowing Jesus. Knowing about Jesus is not the same as knowing Jesus. I wonder, do we all here today, do we all know Jesus? 
or do we just know about him? I think of my own testimony in all those years. I knew about him. I, I knew what Jesus did. I knew all about God. I knew some Bible stories even. I don't know if I knew any scripture. I might have. But I knew all about Jesus. I didn't know him though. Here's the good news. God loves you. Loves me. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to know him. The thing is, is there's this separation from God called sin. The Bible tells us or we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. I don't think that's news to any of us sitting here today. I can't get through much of my day without saying or thinking or doing something that's wrong. So we have this separation. And then God says, well, the wages of sin, that's death. It's like, well, thanks for the good news here. You know, it sounds like we really have this dilemma, and we do. But God just didn't end there. He said, I got a way out for you. I got the solution. He sends Jesus to die on a cross for every single one of us to take those sins, past, present, future, all laid upon Jesus, crucified on the cross, paying that death penalty, rising three days later. That's the good news. Amen? Some of you are sitting here today going, I, I've heard that. I know that. I know Jesus. There could be someone sitting here, though, like, I'm not for sure. Now that you kind of said it that way, I'm not for sure if I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've heard it said that if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Is there anybody here today that is kind of thinking, I'm not, so, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I'm going to ask you to be a little bold here. If there's anybody here that isn't 100% sure that when they die, that they're going to spend eternity with Jesus, if there's anybody here that doesn't know for sure that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, I'm not going to have you come down here, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Is there anybody here today? There were some in the first service that, that they raised their hand because they weren't sure. And there could be some of us here that, you know, I'm not sure, but I'm not sure I want to raise my hand either. And that's okay because God knows your heart. I want to just pray for us right now, for those of us that maybe haven't made that choice, maybe made that decision. I want to right now give us that opportunity. For those of us that know Jesus and maybe, maybe we've kind of been away from him for a little bit, maybe he's saying to you today, I, I need you to get back in the game here. Uh, I love you. I want to have that relationship with you. So maybe there's somebody here too that just wants to give their life, recommit that life to Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, we just thank you for the good news. Thank you, God, that we can be saved. I just pray, Lord, for anybody that's here this morning that, ever, that hasn't really made that choice yet, that they would just say in their heart today, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for me, for those sins. Please come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. And maybe for some of us, Lord, that 
we have kind of stepped away a little bit. I would just say, pray something like this, Lord, I want that relationship with you. You are my Lord and Savior, but I have stepped away. I'm coming back to you this moment. I know you're there because of your promises. May this just be a new day. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, for your faithfulness. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, sometimes when we go on a trip, uh, you know, we have to bring things, right? You know, I mean, that's just obvious. And I brought a couple things here that I just kind of wanted to just share with you. And, and, and some of these things are really, really good to bring. Uh, like, for instance, you can never have enough water, right? I mean, you gotta, you got to always have bring some water along with. Uh, anybody ever lose their sunglasses? You know, it's always a good idea to have extra pair of sunglasses. Maybe a couple books. Maybe you uh, need to, you know... You're going to have some time probably, especially if you're going on vacation, to read. Here's something really important. How many times have you traveled somewhere and you forgot your charger for your cell phone? And so you've got to buy a new one, right? And so you get home and you look in the drawer and you've got like 18 of these things, right? I mean, that just happened. So you got to, it's good to bring that, make sure you bring that along. And then, of course, maybe some change of clothes. Oh, day of service. Uh, you, know, some, you know, something like that. Uh, so there's... All sorts of, you know, good, good things that we can bring. But sometimes we walk through life and we carry things that make this load pretty heavy. Stuff that we really don't need to bring with us. Just a few things come to my mind and I know there's going to be, this doesn't cover everything, but the one, one thing I think of like in my life is Addiction. You know, maybe it's uh, alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's prescription drugs. Maybe it's pornography. You know, could it be bitterness? You ever thought of bitterness being an addiction? I think it is. Maybe it's anger. Another thing that we sometimes carry with us and we just cannot seem to let it go is fear. You know, maybe there's a, a, a financial fear that's approaching, or maybe we're in the midst of it. Maybe there's a, just a fear of failure. Maybe there's a relationship that we're afraid of either getting into or getting out of. Maybe there's an illness or even death. I don't have to say too much about this. Lust is definitely sometimes something that's got a hold of us. We just cannot get rid of it. We carry it. We don't want it in our lives, but there it is. And a lot of times with that kind of thing, we end up with guilt, shame. You know, we might have guilt of like past sins. Maybe there's guilt of just forgiving ourselves. Maybe we can't even, it's like, oh my goodness, God, this sin is so huge. Maybe we believe God has forgiven it, which he has, no matter how big it is, if we're a believer, God has forgiven that. I don't know that I really see in the Bible where it says to forgive ourselves, but we do sometimes struggle with that. Maybe some of you have come in here today and it's like, Pastor Dan, it's hopeless. You just don't understand what's going on in my life here. It's pure despair. Maybe that's someone here this morning. But I got some, some good news for us. 
Jesus desires to help us. Pretty hard to get rid of these things on our own, isn't it? You've probably tried. Didn't work so well. Sure didn't work for me. I needed to turn to this Jesus. Jesus desires to help us. We need to recognize our need. I didn't even recognize this need that I had, not just to, to stop drinking. I, I thought it was more casual, good. It's not illegal or anything. Some of the things I did while I was drinking were illegal, but we need to recognize our need and surrender that need to him. Maybe you've come here this morning and you haven't. You're right on the edge. You've recognized that need and you're like, oh, now what do I do with it? Well, here it is. You need to surrender it to Jesus and not let anything or anyone to stop you, to stop me, to stop us from telling Jesus what that need is. Look at uh, verse 38 and 39 here. This blind man, he He calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who had led that way, they're, they're yelling at him. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. He knew, Jesus, he knew if he was going to be healed, where that healing was going to come from. In the book of Mark, we find the same story. And there's an interesting verse in there. And it says, throwing his cloak aside, same blind man here, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. I want you to look at another verse here too in Hebrews. Hebrews 12, first verse, therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that it hinders and, and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What do you need to throw off this morning? Recognizing that Jesus is our compassionate Lord and Savior who's come to save us from sin and its effect on us, that should create in us a heart to follow him, to glorify God and tell others. We have a compassionate Lord. He's our Savior. We should have this heart in us just knowing him as our Lord and Savior, this heart to follow him, this heart to give the glory to God. I don't give glory to myself uh, for, for not having the change of that alcohol problem. I give the glory to God. That healing came from Jesus. I had nothing to do with that. It was just a miracle. So to glorify God and then to tell others. I just got to tell all you guys. I mean, that was pretty cool, huh? I mean, a lot of times we don't get the opportunity up here. If anybody wants to, like, share their testimony sometime, would you, like, give me a call or text me or email me? I'd love, I'd love to hear testimonies. There's nothing sweeter than, than hearing someone else's testimony. So you don't have to come up here, but I'd love to, I'd love to hear it. It says in, uh, in this Luke passage in verse 43 that immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. He praised God. And when all the people saw it, what did they do? They praised God too. It's contagious. Isn't that cool? I have a f- good friend, and some of you might know her. Uh, Her name's Pam. I'm going to ask Pam to come because I want her to share a little bit about her story, maybe her biggest moment. And the reason, too, she wants to share is because she, 
too wants to glorify God with her story. And I think after you hear it, uh, you're going to probably see why. Could we give Pam a round of applause? Thank you. I want to share a story of rescue in my life. Um, I thank God that he took me out of a life of despair at a young age because my life could have been very different um, at my age than what it is today. Um, when I was in high school, my parents were talking about divorce. It was very devastating for me. Um, they were the people I loved most in my life, and I felt like my world was crumbling. Um, so my mom was an alcoholic. My grandmother was an alcoholic. And I felt that grip upon my life. Uh, I started experimenting with um, drinking and going to parties and whatever when I was a teenager. And during this time, um, some of my friends were becoming Christians. They went to Young Life meetings and um, I actually was going to those too and I heard the gospel but I just didn't want to give in um, I, I just felt like oh, I'm missing out on life you know I if I'll, there's too many things I'll have to give up but that wasn't true because Jesus was calling me he was speaking to my heart and I push I wanted to push him away but he never gave up on me. Um, I worked with a girl in high school. Her father was um, Jim Elliott. He was a missionary um, in Ecuador, and he was murdered by the, um, the, the people that he went to minister to, actually. But I saw on her face the love of Jesus, and I saw her face shined with the love of God and here's her father. He was murdered and you know, my parents were splitting up. That's a tragedy, but I still had my parents, but her father wasn't in her life anymore. And yet she had such joy and peace. And, and I wanted that in my life. Um, so I continued to go to these meetings, um, but was still not ready to give in uh, I went to a bar with a girlfriend and never been to a bar before. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just have a couple of drinks and, you know, we'll just have a good time. And I was sitting at the bar and, and had a few drinks and nothing happened. I just sat there by myself at the bar and I thought, oh, this is really fun. You know, I don't know why people do this. And... God spoke to my heart right there. And he said, I'm not going to let you enjoy this. This is not the plan I have for you. This is not the path that I want you to go and live. And I remember going home and saying out loud to God, God, I don't want you in my life. Just go away. Leave me alone. Let me do what I want. And I remember God speaking to my heart. And that was my moment my God moment was God saying, I love you. I'm not going to let you ruin your life. You can run, but you can't hide. And I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to run you down with my love. And someday you will give in. And it wasn't probably within six months. I went to a, a camp, heard the gospel preached again, heard the story of the, the butterfly and the metamorphosis of a, um, uh, the butterfly. You know, he's not really too attractive when he's the little worm, but he comes out through this metamorphosis and he turns into this amazing butterfly and he's free and beautiful. And I heard that story and I said, okay, God, I'm giving in. I'm, I'm going to give my life to you. And I gave my life to Jesus that day. In high, I was still in high school or maybe just got out of high school. And my life was so changed. I didn't have 
the desire to want to go the direction that my mom and my grandmother and some of my other friends were going. I didn't want that anymore. I wanted more of Jesus in my life. And he took the desires away. He gave me a new heart. He took my heart of stone and he gave me a heart of flesh. And um, it's been an amazing journey. Uh, He's given me um, a husband of 41 years. He's given me two daughters, two granddaughters, and a life that's been amazing. And that was my rescue story because it could have been so different. It could have been so, I, I could have been in a recovery center here in Prescott or anywhere. But God had a plan for me, and I'm so thankful that he, he didn't give up on me. So I just want to share a couple of um, scriptures with you. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And then Psalm 7, 107, 41 says, Yet setteth he the needy on high from affliction and maketh him families like a rock. And I'm just so thankful that God healed my broken heart and that he gave me a family. When my family was, you know, being destroyed, he gave me a family and he restored my life when I was young. And I'm just, uh, would encourage, you know, if there's kids here today that, you know, or I mean, I know you see things in school that I never saw, but you have a choice. You don't have to go that way. You can decide to live for Jesus. You can make that choice when you're young and God will just do miracles in your life. And when you have heartaches and when you go through trials and times of, you know, tribulation in your life, we all do. You can go to Jesus and Jesus will keep you. He promises he will. So I'm just encouraging you to give your life to Jesus when you're young. Live for him. It's such a great life. Thanks. Thank you. Anybody running from God today? Wow. Powerful story. Thanks, Pam. Um, we have those, those times, uh, maybe if somebody, maybe they heard something in that testimony that they can really relate to. Let me uh, start to bring this to a close with this last, this last point here, that it's our choice today, today, our choice today to trust in his goodness and his mercy with persistent faith and give Jesus our greatest need. Our choice today to trust in his goodness and mercy with persistent faith and give Jesus our greatest need. We can follow him or decide to continue holding on to that burden Sometimes we hear, like through Celebrate Recovery, we hear hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Decide to continue holding on to that burden, hoping he will pass by again. We have a choice here today. There's a story of a, of a man that fell into a, a rapidly moving river. And he is just getting swept downstream, about drowning on the way. He finally grabs onto this rock, and he's just holding on for dear life. But as he's holding onto that rock, the, the waves and the current are just beating him on this rock, and he is just, he's bloody, he's just, oh, he's just exhausted. But he's got to hold onto that rock, and he hears a voice. There's a voice from the shore, and it says, let go of the rock. And he's thinking in his mind, no way I'm let go of this rock. I, I don't want to go farther downstream. 
And he looks over and there's this guy standing on the shore and he's saying, let go of the rock, there's smooth water just 20 yards down from you. You'll be fine. Couldn't let go of the rock. It was easier, more comfortable for him to hang on to that rock than to let go and find healing. What are we holding on to today? I'm going to give us a chance uh, here to, to really give that to Jesus uh, as, uh, as Jamie uh, uh, and his group comes here just to, to play a song. But let me, let me just pray for us as, as God is working in our hearts right now with that, that burden, that hurt, that habit, that hang-up. God, thank you for today. Thank you, Jesus, for passing by. Thank you, Jesus, for that question that is so, so powerful. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus, we believe that question is for us. We believe that you are passing by today for a reason. Jesus, we come to a point in our life where we're just so tired of holding on to whatever that is. We're tired today, Lord. We just want to give it to you. We want to walk out of here a lot lighter than we came in because we're going to leave that burden and that need, whatever it is, we're going to leave that with you. So God, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for saving us. We thank you, God, for your presence in our life. We thank you for your, the power that you have in our lives. God, we thank you for that peace that only can come from you. Peace that transcends all understanding. We want to walk away from here today, Lord, free from a burden. We want to walk away just bathing in that peace. We want to walk away like super encouraged, Lord, because we know you, Jesus, as our Lord and our Savior. As Jamie does this, this song here, I want you to pay attention to the, the lyrics, if you would. I'm going to come down front here, and I just want to invite any of you, all of you, to come forward and give whatever that is that God has brought to your heart here today. Come forward and give that to Jesus. Don't, don't leave with it. He's here. He's asking you that question. He's passing by. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow. That heaven can't heal Earth has no sorrow That heaven can't heal So lay down your burdens Lay down your shame And all who are broken Lift up your face Oh, the living king. 
Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.